Stuart Holman here, welcome. Today is the fifth in our Growing Disciples series on praying with Jesus. Uh, throughout this week, we've been looking at both Jesus' practice of prayer and his teaching on prayer with the conviction that as Jesus invited his disciples to sit in with him as he, as he prayed with his father, that these occasions were intended as a kind of school of prayer. Indeed, it seems that learning to pray was at least as important for Jesus' uh, disciples as learning to accurately interpret the Old Testament. Prayer and Bible just go together. They are interdependent attributes or modes of the Christian life. Now, I've saved until the last in our series the longest and most detailed account of one of Jesus' prayers. This is the prayer which John's Gospel preserves as an extended quotation, rather than just a, a summary of key ideas, this is the prayer where we get to really feel the sense of intimacy that Jesus shared with his heavenly Father. It's intensely personal. This is the prayer where we learn not only about prayer, but we learn about the life of the Godhead and our interaction with God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, uh, we'll probably come back to John 17 uh, later in our Growing Disciples series. You see, there's so much going on in this prayer in John 17 that I don't pretend for a moment that in this little devotional that we'll be able to do more than simply introduce ourselves to it. Instead, I want to invite us to sit with this prayer in our own time beyond this video and listen to Jesus pray. And, and as, as we do, Learn what we pray and, and learn how we pray, following Jesus in his model, following Jesus, in a sense, on his coattails into the presence of our Heavenly Father. I find the really poignant part of this prayer is that it occurs at the end of the Last Supper. Here is Jesus on the last night he has with his disciples, perhaps a couple of hours before his arrest and trial, and then his crucifixion the next morning. Surely Jesus' greatest concerns and his greatest concerns for his disciples and the fledgling church which they will spawn, surely they are all wrapped up in this prayer. And so uh, since there is so much going on here, I think my job is to keep out of the way and simply invite us all into Jesus' school of prayer. The first of the three parts of this prayer in John 17 focuses on the relationship of the Son, with his Father, and their mutual love, life, and delight to bring glory to one another. So uh, we're in John chapter 17, beginning at the first verse. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. It seems within the life of God, glory is given and received. It, it seems to be part of the dynamic of their relationship. 
in addition, as, as Jesus prays, we also learn something about eternal life. We see that the substance of eternal life is a relationship, knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. Now, the word here to know is not about information or data or knowing about God, as a person might be an expert in knowing about mathematics or something. Instead, this knowing is an intensely relational notion. We have direct connection and fellowship, mutuality and interaction, like I know my wife. In the second major stanza of Jesus' prayer, verses 6 through 19, Jesus' attention now moves to his disciples, those whom he has just shared the Last Supper with, those who are listening in on his prayer. Jesus continues to pray, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Amongst the many layers of this prayer, we notice that glory goes to Jesus through his disciples in the way that they now respond and live. So somehow glory, the, the currency of relationship in the Godhead, extends beyond the life of Jesus' followers in the world. Indeed, Jesus' prayer seems to focus on his followers and their ongoing life in the world as they take up their role as ambassadors and representatives of God. This final section now of Jesus' prayer expands to include all who will believe in Jesus through the ministry and the message of his first disciples or apostles. 
So this is a prayer now for us. And Jesus' key concerns are our unity and our knowing of God. Notice also that glory, which I'm calling the currency of relationship within the Godhead, notice glory is also shared and exchanged with us and the Lord Jesus. This is perhaps the most breathtaking realisation in Jesus' school of prayer, that in prayer we are invited to share in the life of our triune God. We are not outsiders and strangers, but insiders to the life of God himself. So Jesus continues to pray. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. If you're anything like me, you're probably feeling just a little bit overwhelmed by Jesus' prayer. There is way too much going on and it's so dense. This prayer's scope and its depth is almost beyond us. But here's my suggestion for what to do with it. Read back over this prayer. Stop and, and pause and address God at each point that something in the prayer, some aspect of the life of God or something that you notice becomes apparent to you. Stop and turn this prayer to God again. Appropriate Jesus' prayer to your own situation, make it yours, and model your own prayers upon it. This is how Jesus' school of prayer is meant to work. I invite you to join us again next week when Ness Hughes will take us to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through 7.